0: Do you see detours as interruptions or opportunities? Change can be difficult, so here are three things to do when God asks you to change. Welcome everyone, special welcome to our Facebook Live viewers who are with us today. Today is week two of our Dreamer series, and God's Word that guides us for the message today is from Matthew in chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. So it's January. January is an exciting month. It's a month of beginnings. It's a new year. Did you know that the month of January is named after the mythological Roman god Janus? J-A-N-U-S. And uh, this is a guy, this picture, that has, he has two faces. One is always looking ahead and one is always looking back. That's kind of what January is. That's why you name it that way. It's a month of transitions. We're taking the the past and we're looking into the future. We're remembering, but we're also looking ahead. And so it's a month of changes, of transitions. We make New Year resolutions. We say we're going to go on a new diet. We want to spend more time with our family. But I tell you what, there's a reason that uh, 80% of people fail in the New Year's resolutions by February. It's because a lot of us resist change. Well, I take that back. All of us resist change. At some point or another, we, we don't want the uncomfortable. We don't want the unfamiliar. We don't want the new. For us, the status quo is easier. Coasting is a lot easier than riding a bike uphill and sweating and working and her muscles hurt, it's just like, uh, let's just coast and make it easier. So for us, the status quo can be powerfully addictive. Let's just live in the past. And you know who's really good at living in the past and the status quo being addictive? Church people. I'm going to get to that more later. Now, what I want to do today is talk about the wise men. Because the wise men were very knowledgeable, uh, very wise, as we we call them that, and yet when God came to them, as he directed them, not just by the star, but by this dream that they had at the end of the story, that's the focus for today. So the wise men at the very end of that story dreamed this dream where God wanted them to, to go a different direction, And so here you have the wise men and their story and their journey, and we join it today as we follow God with faith and with courage, and as God directs us but also gives us a different direction that isn't always ours. And like the wise men, we're going to seek God, we're going to be drawn by God His way, and God's going to ask us to make changes and even wants to change us. And like the wise men, we're going to say, okay, let's do it first point I want to make to you about change is this. We have to remember this when we talk about change and transitions and and different things in life. There are things right now in your life that are the status quo, that are the familiar and comfortable, okay? But anything that's familiar and comfortable to us was at one time unfamiliar and uncomfortable, was at one time new. So, my boots that fit just right and they're really comfortable were at one point new and uncomfortable. My favorite musician was at one point new to me. I hadn't heard any of their songs and I had to take a chance and listen to some songs and then realize, oh, I like this musician. See, your favorite movie at some point, you went and it was fresh and you hadn't seen it yet and you had to take a risk that you're going to go to this movie and, and, or watch this movie and maybe you like it. And now you like it and now you quote it all the time. See, things that were... Are familiar to us now, we're at one time new. We've all experienced new and survived. You know one thing that's new for us also, you may not realize this, is our calendar. Kids, I have a question for you. If you're uh, preschool, elementary school, I have a question. Here's a question. True or false? The first month of our year is March. True or false? False. A first month of our year is January. But guess what? That's a change. That's the new calendar. The original calendar, the Julian calendar, the calendar that existed when the wise men were making their journey, the first month of the year was March. So for us, September, October, November, December, right? Our September is the ninth month. October, November, December. De- December is month number 12th. The original calendar, September was month number seven. That's why it's called September from the Latin septem, which means... October from octo, eight. November from novem, which means nine. And decem, decem in Latin means ten. So the original Julian calendar was, was not what we have. It actually changed in about 153 B.C. and then in, it wasn't officially incorporated into worldwide use until 1582 when Pope Gregory officialized the new calendar, which is January, is the first month of the year, and that became known not as the Julian calendar, but as the Gregorian calendar, and that's what we follow today. It's not, it, it, it's new, it's changed, right? Now, you didn't even, you maybe, I didn't know that, You maybe didn't even know that. So you're living your life in the midst of something new. And so if you have a a problem with new things with change, you better not have a problem with it because you're living with it. You're wearing your boots that used to be new. You're wearing, you're going, you have a favorite movie. All of it used to be new to us and is not anymore. So I thought of this. Maybe, maybe we are like that mythological god Janus. Maybe we do have two faces. One of them loves change, and the other face doesn't like change, right? So, one, one, sometimes we don't like change, sometimes we do. Don't bring that new technology into church. But I sure love the flat screen TV in my house and my new ring doorbell that was installed. See that? You're right? We, we like it, but we don't like it. Uh, Don't make me listen to your playlist, but you should listen to mine. I, I, I don't want to change, but I want you to change. See, I think change is great as long as you're doing it and not me. Yeah, and then there's praying to God, God, give me a new job, but don't don't ask me to get a new attitude or develop some new skills. And God, give me patience but just don't put me in a situation where I have to learn to be more patient. Okay, God, I want change, but I don't want change. That, right? That's how we operate. God, send a lot of new people to our church. We'd love for these seats to fill up and more people to follow us on Facebook Live. And God, bring them in. But, but when they come, God, they just, yeah, they, they have to look just like me and vote just like me and they can't sit in my seat or park in my parking spot. We love change, we don't love change. I tell you what, we love change when it's all about our own preferences and we don't like change when we can't have our own way. So what if God wants you to change? I mean, what if this is not a matter of whether you prefer your pizza sliced in squares, which is the better way, or triangles? Right, there are things that we can decide that aren't matters of God's will, what He wants. But there are things that God wants, and when it comes to those things, what if, what happens when God says to you, "You need to change that. You can't be such an angry person. You better, you need to take care of yourself. I, I don't hear you praying." enough? What happens when God says, I want you to change, or when God wants to change you to God's way, to God's direction? What if God wants to change our church? There are three important things when it comes to that question they are number 1 humility number 2 hope and number 3 holiness humility says i'm not perfect humility says my my way isn't always the best way and humility says We don't have a perfect church, nor do we have the perfect pastor. Would you believe that? But here's what hope says. Hope says, I can change. Hope says, there can be a better way than my way that truly is better. And hope says, our church can improve and grow. And holiness says, God is perfect. Holiness says, God's way is always the right way, always the best way. God's way is the perfect way. And holiness says, church success when it is this. When, when church success is, God, it's all about God. God is number one and he's more important than anything else, including how we slice our pizza. When God is number one, that's church success. Everything else follows and it will. Everything else will follow when, when God is number one. That's church success. So that's, that's what change looks like in our own lives and in church. So let's get back to the wise men. And, and God asked the wise men to change. Now, it was hard for them, or it had to be hard, just like it's hard for you and me. And here's why the wise men are called magi, and, uh, and these, they're not kings, but they're kind of kings. They're upper class, magi were upper class, wealthy businessmen and brilliant scholars. So they were like businessmen, professors, philosophers, engineers. They had it all going on. They were like the whole package of, of upper echelon, higher class, wealthy businessmen, brilliant scholars. They studied the stars and the skies. And this is the class of men who are now coming to follow the star and to get, bring their gifts to Jesus. So they, they traveled 1,000 miles over rugged terrain, over arid desert, 1,000 miles, and they triangulated the GPS of the exact spot where they were following the star so it would lead them to Jesus. And they did the triangulation without their smartphone. But they did, and they got there. My point is, they were, they were, these were wise men. And what made them really wise, ladies, what made these men really wise, ladies, are you listening to this, is that they stopped and asked for directions. See, the star guided them to the general location, but not the actually exact GPS Coordinates of Jesus. It guided them toward Jerusalem. They were looking for who? The king of the Jews. And where would the king of the Jews be set up? In the capital city of the Jews, which is Jerusalem. They make it to Jerusalem. He's not there. They ask the king there for direction. Well, this is not the king of the Jews. It's Herod. He's not the one we're looking for. But then Herod talks to the religious leader. He gives the wise men directions. And ladies, they're wise men because they followed directions. Now, here we get to the dream. So they made it to Jesus. Now it's time for them to go back home. Behind the scenes, we know that Herod wants to kill a bunch of babies because he's jealous. He wants to kill Jesus, maybe even kill the wise men too. God sends a dream to the wise men and he tells them in this dream, I want you to go home by a different route than what your route is. Those wise men all, they were wise. They were brilliant scholars. They triangulated the GPS. They know the way. They know the best way. And really, all they have to do is retrace their steps to get back. But even if that weren't the case, they, they know their way around. They are not lost. And yet, they're willing to say, okay, God. Right? They had what it took to to be I mean, wise, if not perfect in their directions, and yet they were willing to accept directions from God. God said to these guys, I want you to put away your engineering. I want you to put away your opinions. I want you to put away your brilliance, your scholarliness, your ability to make a map, you, the fact that you know your way around, your survival skills to survive over a thousand miles through desert and mountains—I want you to put that all away, and I want you to change, and I want you to do something different than that, which which is really a good way, but I want you to do something different. And and they did. They changed. They bowed down. They submitted. So why should you change? I don't know if I have any of the capacities that the wise men had. They were willing to change, so I'm thinking I should be willing to change too. I want to answer that by asking a question. Here's another question for the kids. Parents, you can remember this at home and ask your kids this question. Here's another question for you kids. What gives the sun its light? Where does the light of the sun come from? How does it shine? God said it, right? God made the sun. How did he make it to work? Does he flip a switch? Is it like a light bulb? Right? The sun is, what's the sun? It's right, it's on fire, right? So the sun is a bunch of gases and those gases are constantly exploding and burning. And so the sun is its own light. Second question, where does the moon get its light from? Say it. From the sun, very good. Right, so does the moon make its own light? No. So the sun makes its own light and shines onto the moon, which reflects the light of the sun. Ah. Third question, which revolves around which? Is the sun at the center and the moon goes around, or is the moon at the center and the sun goes around? The sun is at the center. It looks like the sun moves, but, it, but we're moving, in, right? The sun is at the center. Fourth question, kids, staying with me, stay with me. Fourth question. Which one is like God and which one is like us? Hmm, yeah, why is God the sun? Right? He has his own light and we're like the moon, right? We reflect his light and we move around him. Kit. Moms and dads give a hand to the kids. They did a great job there, and uh, they can teach us a lesson, right? Who are we? I, I'm not the sun. I'm the moon. And so what were the wise men following? They were following. The sun is really not a planet. It's a, it's a star. And what were the wise men following? They were following a star, a really special star, but I tell you what, they, that star that they were following wasn't really the ultimate star that they bowed down to, was it? That star in the sky that they were studying, that, that wasn't the big deal. That was leading them to the big deal, to the ultimate sun, the ultimate light, the ultimate star, the ultimate celebrity, Jesus. Jesus. So why were they willing to change? Not for a star, but for the star. Why were they willing to change? Because they trusted that this star, this brilliant light, had, was changing their lives, was chasing away their sin, was, was chasing away the darkness of their gloom and their guilt, and that he had something for them that was drawing them near, and they bowed down to it. And when they bowed, they bowed down to Jesus. That, that the Bible calls God and Jesus, the Son of God, our light, is incredible. His light never stops shining on you. His light brightens your day, brightens your soul. His light chases away all of your sins, all of your despair and darkness, and it's gone. I want to read you a Bible verse that talks about that in, uh, in the book of Isaiah. And uh, listen to these Bible verses. They're They're about change and about where that comes from and why and our motivation for that change. Here's what they say. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. The Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. You will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. You won't be able to contain it. It's saying, The Lord will be your everlasting light. Hmm. It's saying, God in his son Jesus never stops shining on you. On your good days and on your bad days, when you behave and when you don't behave, God is your everlasting light. And so, as your light, as that star, God may say to you, I want you to change your attitude. I want you to take a different direction here. I want you to improve. I want you as a church to be, get more in tune with my mission and my purpose. And when He says that, He's still our star. His love is leading the way. His light is beaming brightly on us and, and proudly smiling that we're following. And, and we bow out to him like the wise men did and we say, okay, God. And we worship him and we honor him for his brilliant, shining, faithful grace in our lives. Arise, shine. Here's a riddle. How many church people does it take to change a light bulb? Zero. Church people don't change. So, sorry. So, there, that, and uh, there weren't many laughs to that. Um, I heard a couple probably from our guests. Maybe a couple people out in Facebook Live world are, uh, are laughing because they know... Non-church people, right? They know that people who don't go to church, what happens? Here's what happens. Here, here's what people who aren't church people think of church people. They think that, that, that the church gets to be so big and gargantuous in its own mind and it's all about us, and eventually they feel like the church gets in the way of of Jesus Himself. And why would we want to do that as a church? So here's what we do. We change. And not, not, well, maybe whole scale, but even before that, think about it this way. What if we as church people change and, and people who are outside of the faith or outside of church, they see it in us? What if we eclipse the bright light of God's grace and his glory a little less and we showcase it more? And and we make Jesus, the shining star, so bright in their lives. How? Because they can see our humility and that we don't think we're perfect all the time. And they, they, they can see our hope. I mean they, they, they see it, they watch the hope in us, the hope that when we're in stress, when we're experiencing suffering or loneliness or grief, and they see that we've not given up and that we rely on on what? On the grace of God and on His forgiveness for our mistakes and on His leading the way. And they can see that number one for us is God and His holiness, and it's so meaningful. And, and when that happens, then they see the light too. And when that happens, they change too. And then, it's really not so much about how many people it takes to change a light bulb, but it's about the light changing all of us. Amen. Let's pray. O light of the world, Jesus, you guided the wise men to you using a star of, of this galaxy, this, this planet. You guided them to you, and you led the way. And when they found you, they realized that they were being drawn and then that they were seeking and searching, not for the star in the sky, but for you, the star in their hearts. We pray, Jesus, that as you and the Heavenly Father asked these wise men through the Holy Spirit to take a different direction, that that when we realize the need from You to take a different direction in our lives, that we are able to seek it and search for it too, just like the wise men did, and that we are able to find in that, find You and draw closer to You and, and give You the, the newness, the change, the, the transitions in our lives, and trust that as You take them, you'll bring us closer to you and to your glory. May it be for your glory and for the good of many others. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.